our group is actually going to be moving to Thursdays, so it, and it's always best if, if you would like to come to our group just to give me a call, just in case, because sometimes we move to the church, we have a lot of kids, so if you have kids, that's welcome. Um, and so sometimes we have to move, but we will be going to Thursdays, to, so just to be sure, just give me a call. Um, we do do a lot of fun things. I won't spend a lot of time speaking about what we did this weekend, but um, you get we got to know each other a lot better. We do that every time when we have a connection group, and it's one of the wonderful things about being in a connection group. Um, in fact, I learned a few of mine are probably vampires. And... Uh, <laughs> And I know this because I slept with all my clothes on last night with a toboggan um, in my bed, freezing to death, while they slept comfortably with a fan on. So that's my only conclusion as to how you could sleep in a refrigerator. Um, But uh, I have a new new understanding of what it's like to be cold and to need a blanket. So um, my message today is entitled Godly Passion, and um, I just think it's so cool how that God will connect things together ahead of time. Um, With John and Tammy here, just hearing you sing about that passion, that's exactly what I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about today. So this is going to be a really easy part to do in this message, so if I need to have an example of Godly Passion, I can just point right there, and you guys will know what I'm talking about. So... um, Let's look at a scripture. It's Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 12. And it says, And from the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. That's the King James Version. Um, That scripture always confused me earlier on in my life. And um, you do know it's okay to look at other versions of the Bible. the main versions, you know what I'm talking about, and kind of compare that. In fact, I think that's good. If you get stuck on a scripture, study it, look it up, meditate on it, and, and begin to really get an understanding of it. Don't just gloss over and say, well, I don't know what that means. Um, but in fact, I kind of like this version a little bit better, the New International Version. And it says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. I like the word forcefully better. It gave me a better understanding of what that scripture is saying. And in fact, if I want to add my spin on it, I would say insert the word passionately. Um, The kingdom of heaven has been passionately advancing and passionate men lay hold of it. Passion is very important in our walk with God. So what is the basic definition of passion? The basic definition of passion would be a strong feeling, desire, or force. Passion can be good or bad. Um, a couple of examples. If anybody has ever seen Adolf Hitler, you know, that was a passionate dude for the wrong things. He would, a speech that, that, that he would give is very passionate in the wrong way, though. Um, the flip side of that, we could look at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The passion that he had for us. Even the movie, The Passion of the Christ, is a great depiction of that. That he would take the beating for me, that he would take being spit on for me, that he would take all of these things because he had me in his heart and he was thinking about me the whole time he went through that. That's good passion. And that's the type of passion I want to talk about today. And I call this godly passion. 
And my definition for godly passion would be a strong acting out for God or demonstrating strong feeling or desire for God. Why is this so important that we understand this? It's because godly passion mixes faith with action. Faith plus action equals momentum. Momentum to move mountains or to forcefully advance the kingdom. Godly passion is something that brings great momentum in the kingdom of God, and it's very pleasing to God, very pleasing to the Lord. I'll give you an example of this, and this is an example of David. And when David danced before the Lord with all of his might, um, it's in Second Samuel chapter 6, and I'm going to read verse 14 through 16, and then I'll jump after that to verse 20 through 22. And it says, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all of his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. And the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David. Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Now skip to verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls, of his servants, and, of, and as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. I like the way that David put all those I wills in there. That was passionately serving the Lord with all of his might, with all of his emotion, with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that was pleasing to the Lord. That is the reason why the Bible says that that David was a man after God's own heart. Because he put all of his passion, everything into serving the Lord. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I would say faith without emotion or strong desire is flat. That does not mean that passion has to be loud, but simply from the heart. Um, you know, I'm not the most boisterous loudspeaker in the world. But I can still make just as much of a powerful impact for God if I'm doing it from my heart. In fact, I've learned that's where my strength is most of the time because it never gets any easier when I come up here. You know, I think it will because I've did it a lot of times by now, but it never does. I'm always relying on the Lord to give me the strength to be able to speak and not fall over when I'm coming up here, you know, and to be able to get my words out the way that I want to. But that's where I trust the Lord. Um, and that's passion to me. Um, a good example would be the song I can only imagine. The verse says, Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in honor of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. You see in that verse of that, of that song, passionate ways of giving all emotion and all glory to Jesus demonstrated in different ways. 
And I know myself, probably when I get in that position, I'm just going to be one, the one that's not saying anything at all, just in amazement. So I want to talk about some of the aspects of this godly passion that we're talking about. And I want to say that godly passion is active. When you have godly passion, it's an active passion. Um, one example of this would be the woman with the issue of blood that the Bible talks about. She had a passion to be healed. She actively sought out every doctor she could. She actively sought out um, every type of, of way to be healed that she could until she found Jesus. And when she found that Jesus was the answer, she wasn't going to let anybody get in her way before she was healed. She was going to actively find Jesus to be healed and, and came to him and touched the hem of his garment and was healed. Peter is another example. Example. I love Peter for his passion for the Lord. He was always an example in that way. And Peter walked on the, on the water. Peter had a passionate heart to be close to Jesus, even to do something that seemed absurd to your mind. The other apostles sat in the boat. They didn't have that passion that drove them to be active. To the point, Peter even, we know the story, he started to sink. I don't think he even realized halfway what he was doing until he was halfway across the water. It was his passion that drove him to be close to Jesus. And I'll say that passion, godly passion, is active. And we can, when we consistently act strongly for God, we can expect blessing. Godly passion is real. We all have emotions and feelings. Godly pa- passion allows us to be honest and release those emotions and feelings. I love the Psalms. They're some of my favorite parts of the Bible to read. And I love the fact that a majority of them are wrote by David and he could go and talk about how broken he is and then in another psalm talk about how high he is. And David knew that the Lord wanted all of his heart, all of his emotion. The Lord didn't want David to become a robot, didn't want David to become someone religious he wants us to come to him when we don't understand. To put, he knows that we're not going to understand sometimes, and we need to continue to pour out our heart. I love the way that David demonstrates that. David, in one psalm, can be like, I'm in, the so, I, I'm in hell, and I hate it here. This is me paraphrasing. And I don't know where you're at, but I trust you, and I'm going to wait on you. And I can imagine when he wrote that psalm, he would, you know, maybe he had clenched teeth. Maybe he was shaking as he wrote it. But he continued to pour his emotion into the Lord. You know, sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we will just bottle up and try to put it inside and pretend that it's not there. You have emotion, and God wants that godly passion to come out even when you're on top of the world or when you feel like you're down here in a valley. Um. I heard, heard a sermon on the radio this week, and they made a good point about this that kind of tied in with this. And they're talking about Jesus when he went um, and Lazarus had died. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but yet it says Jesus cried, and he wept with them before he did that. Jesus had those emotions, and he expressed those emotions, that godly passion with those people there, even before he healed Lazarus. We We need to... Be real with God and continue to channel our passion to God, whether it's a hurt passion at the time or something that is um, something better at the time. 
God is pleased when we do this, and especially pleased even when we don't understand. I can think about even Thomas when he had to see those nail marks in Jesus. And Jesus said, more blessed are those who haven't seen and believed. I think it's the same principle. How blessed are those who continue to worship the Lord and praise the Lord, even passionately, even when they don't understand. And again, that doesn't mean if I'm going through a real struggle, I have a sick family member, I have something really heavy going on. That doesn't mean I might be singing at the top of my lungs. I may be gritting my teeth singing it, but I'm still pointing all my focus to Jesus and doing the best I can to worship him with all my heart, mind, and soul. I believe some of those types of worship to Jesus, those types of songs, praise to Jesus, are more powerful than if I had the most beautiful voice in the world and I sung out the same thing. Godly passion stirs emotions and faith in others. In Acts uh, chapter 4, verse, th- verse uh, 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. So these leaders had saw um, Peter and John speaking in boldness And it was through that that they saw the testimony that they had been with Jesus. They were stirred, and their thoughts were pointed toward Jesus because of the passion that these men showed. The Bible calls, Jesus called Peter a rock. Why is this? Again, I say, you know, I really love Peter the way that he demonstrates a passionate, steadfast devotion to the Lord by his witness. His witness was always a passionate, steadfast devotion to the Lord. Some examples of that would be, um, he said, I don't want to be even put on a cross like my Lord. I want to be hung upside down on a cross. I'm not worthy to be hung like him. Peter was always doing things passionately devoted to the Lord that stirred people to the Lord, that made people think about that devotion to the Lord. Even when, he, when Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? If you do, then feed my sheep. I, I believe that Peter, that was really stirring to Peter because I believe Peter went with everything with all of his heart. Jesus was trying to make a point to him in that scripture. But again, it was, it was his passion. Um, Peter was the one who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. When Jesus asked that question, who am I? Peter was blurting out, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Um, Again, Peter walking on the water. He jumped out of the boat and was passionately pursuing Jesus. And even, in fact, his failure with denying Christ before Christ was crucified and the cock crowed three times, I believe that that was even another demonstration. It was a testament to his passion. He was the only one bold enough to say, I'll never leave you. You know, he, he blurted that out. He was the only one bold enough to even say that. He wept bitterly upon realizing his failure, which showed deep emotion. And he was counted worthy to face a Job-type trial that would later deepen his devotion to Christ, just as it did for Job. You know, even before that, Jesus said to him, Peter, Satan wants to sift you. And again, Peter had this passion. You, could, you couldn't go around Peter and not see on his sleeve that he was passionately devoted to Jesus. I think, again, with John and Tammy, I think we have a good example 
They're giving up everything to go passionately follow Christ. And they're going to witness to countless people, and they're going to do amazing things because they've chosen to walk in a godly passion. I think about the story that Aaron told last week about that that tribe in Africa and that baby that belonged to those ministering parents that was thrown out the window and killed because those parents would not stop preaching in Jesus' name and and how that the man looked to the wife and said, you know we can't stop doing this. And how that after that it led to thousands upon thousands of people serving the Lord because of that act of godly passion. Godly passion moves God. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I know personally some of my prayers that I've seen most answered are when I actually get mad. I don't know why it's like that. I don't know why I can't... I'm working on it just like everyone else. It it comes with my devotion to the Lord and my surrender to the Lord. That draws me closer to when I can choose to do that. But sometimes it really is a lot easier if I can see some injustice. It fuels me to to, um, do what I need to do. Um, I'm working that it doesn't have to be like that, but it just does. Godly passion moves God. I can remember a couple that I had been praying for for a, a while and nothing moving, and just getting sick of it, and just going home one day, and just praying the roof down over the issue, and just pouring out my heart to God, and within the next week, they were coming to church, and it was, it was awesome to see, and it was awesome to participate in, and again, like I talked about earlier, I was just real with God. I couldn't take it anymore. I had to pray it out, and I prayed it out passionately, and with my focus on God. Godly passion Fuels victories. Um, I, I listened to some sports radio the other day, and there was a sports announcer who said that it was not money that fueled the Yankees' victory, but passion. And I thought about that, and I thought, like, oh, what, what do you mean by that? And he went on to say that George Steinbrenner is more devoted to winning. He's passionately devoted to winning. He will take his entire checkbook and he'll write it out to Derek Jeter if he has to. He is going to win because he is passionate to win. And there's other baseball teams, whether they say they can or not, they're just not that passionate. They're not going to give everything to win. But uh, Steinbrenner will, whether we're a Yankee fan or not, he's passionate to win. Um, I think uh, I watch a lot of football. I think about some of these coaches I you know we should probably pray for some of the, some of the, our favorite football coaches because their families many times if they're not serving the Lord are probably in shambles because they have a passion to win and they literally live at the office. Um, I don't know where Bill Belichick check is with the Lord, but the man's passionate. He'll live at his office to see his team win. Um, I want to apply that with a godly passion for God. And again, we can think of Christ. Um, I don't think there's any more vivid image I have than those scenes from the Passion of the Christ where blood is pouring out of Jesus from every angle. And to know that he was thinking of me, that he was thinking, I I can't stop. I got to go because Phil's going to need a Savior someday. You know, 
Everyone in this room is going to need a Savior. I've got to keep going. I, I love him so much that I've got to walk through this. So how do we obtain this godly passion? I believe it's, it's, an, it's a lifelong thing of trying to obtain it. It's not, it's not something that you're going to just have and then you have it always. It's, it's part of your relationship with God. It's a surrendering all to God, and that's something that we have to do every day. I believe godly passion is a byproduct of true surrender. When we surrender to something, we submit to it. When we surrender to God, we give him our heart, mind, soul, and strength. When we give him all of our attention, emotions, and focus to God first, he promises to give his presence. His presence builds a strong desire to please him that we cannot make on our own. It's good for you to desire to be passionate and to, and to walk towards that. That's a piece of the puzzle, but that's not the full answer. The full answer is surrendering all to God and being in his presence. When you're in his presence, he will supernaturally give you the energy you need. He will supernaturally give you the things that you need. It's a byproduct of being around him. Just like Moses, the Bible said that he had a, a radiate, radiant face after seeing God. It's a byproduct of being around God. If we're around him, we're going to have that passion, the things that we need supernaturally built in us. The Bible also says in James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Psalm sixteen eleven, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Again, drawing near to God is the first step. It's the main step. Um, surrender is a daily choice. Um, you have to work out before you have muscles. You know, if you want to have muscles, you're going to have to work out. Um, if you have someone despitefully using you, you have to choose to pray for them before you should expect to be delivered from them. You know, that's God's commandment that you pray for those who are your enemy, and how can you even expect God to even minister to that situation until you already obey him? It's a choice of surrender. It's not a pleasant choice oftentimes, but it's still an act of obedience to God. And surrender leads to that obedience. That obedience to God leads to his presence, and his presence leads to joy and strong desire. Another thing, another thing that we need to do for godly passion other than being in his presence, is acting out. Small acts of faith are the foundation to bigger acts of faith. If you can sing in your car, then you can sing in a church. It's small steps, but it's all action. If you, I have found that if I take a small step of faith, God will come through on that, and I can take a bigger step of faith, and then God will come through on that. That's what he does. If you don't feel like, you know, if, if you want to be honest and say, well, I just don't feel like I can pray, you know, that this, this can be done just like this right now. I don't have faith big enough for that. Then take a small step and pray something, something else and continue to pray and act up. Act up. Act out. <laughs> and God will continue to build a faith in you, will continue to build a passion in you that you can pray for mountain-moving things. Um, have I always felt like I could go lay hands on somebody and, 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 and pray some sickness out of them? Not always. 
But it starts with praying small things. God, I pray that that person will find your love, and I pray that you will minister to them. If that's all I can pray, that's a small step of faith, and God will bless that to the point that if I keep being obedient to God, I'll get to the point where I can, with boldness, lay hands on them and say, Be healed in the name of Jesus. 1 John 3 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love God with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. That scripture says with actions and in truth. Um, Another football example, I can think of Marvin Harrison and Peyton Manning was the most dynamic duo in football for a long time. It didn't happen by chance. Um, if you know anything about Peyton Manning, that he practices uh, hours upon end before a game. He is always acting out to become as best as he can be. And it's no uh, coincidence that he's one of the best quarterbacks there is. He has put in the action to get to where he is. He didn't just say, well... You know, I hope I'm a great quarterback. He put action behind that. Another thing that we need to do is to be real. Again, we've already talked about David in the Psalms and Peter. You know, they were real. They shared the emotion they had. They, they didn't stop giving emotion to God even when it wasn't what they wanted at the time. And I can tell you that giving it all to God is awkward. It's going to be awkward. There's times where you're not going to feel it. There's times where it don't make sense. There's going to be times where um, you're going, you may look silly sometimes. It may be a humiliating thing for you. But if you give all to God, God is going to show up and bless that. Just do it anyway. Do it anyway. Be real before God. Be expectant. James 1, verse 6 through 8 says, But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything of the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. We have to believe that God is going to show up when we act passionately for him. We have to have an expectant heart. Pray like you mean it. Um, Again, I have to remind myself of that all the time. That I just don't go into a prayer in a... um, religious type way that doesn't mean I have to pray at the top of my lungs but I need to have all of my focus and believe that God is hearing me and going to do something when I pray even if I prayed it's my 50th time praying over it because nothing happened or nothing I could see happened the first times things are always happening when you pray but you don't always see them even though God is working Um, another example would be what I would call Christmas expectancy now, I realize not everybody has had parents who who may have been the best parents. That's just the reality of the world that we live in. I was very blessed to have very good parents that gave me everything that I wanted, just like my Heavenly Father is a good parent. And how that on Christmas, I always expected to receive something good, and I always did. And just like the Bible says, if we know how to give gifts, how much more than God that he's going to give good gifts to his children. God is always going to produce for those who expect and trust him to produce um, when he gives his gifts. Stay committed. Uh, success builds confidence, which builds passion. 
we can do all things through Christ. As you continue to stay committed, it will break through at some point. As you build that confidence, it's going to build your passion. I'm going to um, read here in closing. I'm going to do a excerpt from the answers in Genesis.org. And this is a little excerpt on their bio on the man William Wilberforce. Um, what a great testament to passion this man was in his life. And I'll go ahead and read what it said about him there. Um, what it says Newton told him, when it's talking about Newton, it's talking about John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, who wrote the hymn that, that we sing many times. And it says, John Newton told him, Do not leave your position in Parliament. You would be deserting the calling that God has called you to. So he decided not to resign his position. Evidently, he had been thinking about that at one time. And then it goes on to say, Wilberforce decided he would give his life to the cause of ending slavery in Great Britain. He decided he would give a talk, and he spent two years studying and preparing to give that talk. When he finally stood up in Parliament to speak, he spoke for four and a half hours and introduced a bill to end the slavery trade in Great Britain. Although the bill was soundly defeated, he did not give up. He came back the next year, gave another speech, made the motion again, and again it was defeated. Next year, defeated. The next year, defeated. He skipped a year. Then he came back the following year and gave another speech, and another and another, for two decades. Finally, the bill was passed, and the British slave trade ended. But that was only half of his goal. His goal was to end slavery in all of the British colonies, so he set himself to do that. He continued his battle, which was to last another 25 years. Now an elderly man, he continued to pray and work, for there were still hundreds of thousands of slaves throughout the British Empire and beyond. As Wilberforce aged, he continued to persist. Every year a speech, every year another vote, every year defeat. Finally, he was unable to continue for health reasons, and he retired to his home in London. While he was struggling with that, what would be his final illness, a great dis discussion on the subject of slavery was once again before the House of Commons. A motion was made to end slavery in all of the colonies of Great Britain around the world. The vote was cast. The motion passed. There, were, there was a great outcry of joy among all those who had worked with Wilberforce for so long to end slavery. They sent a runner to Wilberforce's home to tell him before he died that at last his great cause had been won. Of course, he rejoiced in the Lord that this had happened and that a lifetime of effort had succeeded. That's godly passion. That's someone who did not give up, who continued with all of his emotion till the day that he died, trying to serve God, trying to do what was right. And that faith and action in his life brought forth the momentum that brought down slavery in England that took our country thousands of lives to come to the same outcome. But one man stood and did this and changed the lives of millions upon billions of people through that, for, through that act of godly passion. I'm going to show you a, a trailer. This is actually to a movie called Amazing Grace. It's about Will, William Wilberforce. Um, it's a great movie to see if you haven't seen it. But I just felt like the little clip for the promotion for the movie was a good example of what I was talking about with Wilberforce's life. So I'll play that. How 
What do you want with your old preacher? I'm here to seek your advice. Are you contemplating a life of solitude? People like you too much besides. Wilbur, you have work to do. But now I see. No one of our age has ever taken power. Which is why we're too young to realize that certain things are impossible. You're the best fighter in the house and the best speaker. Give us this little terrier Springfield. I believe he's a Yorkshire terrier, my lord. One man will risk everything. Payment in kind. There's nothing you have I'd want, Your Grace. He'd fetch at least 25 guineas. The game is over. To speak for those who could not. Fatal this. To let you know that you no longer belong to God, but to a man. To make the blind see. We have no evidence that the Africans themselves have any objection to the trade. And to lead a movement that would change the world. Do it. Throw their dirty, filthy ships out of the water. Slave trade has 300 MPs in its pocket. It would be just you against them. If we were to outlaw the trade tomorrow, it would bring financial disaster. His enemy is my enemy. Wilberforce is a rebel. No matter how loud you shout, you will not drown out the voice of the people! No. You still have passion. That matters more. Africa. I was a prince in many ways not unlike you. I'm going to try again. As your prime minister, I urge caution. And as my friend? Not to hell with caution. Remember, God made men equal. But now I see. Did I write that? Yes, you did. Now at last it's true. Amazing Grace. I, I just love that example of that amazing grace as God worked through that man to show in his time the people the amazing grace of God. That, and that's what happens when we passionately serve God. When we give all that is within us to serve God, all of our emotion, strength, mind, heart, everything to God, then God will bring a testimony through us that will glorify himself. And we will be overjoyed at being his vessel in that testimony. I'm going to end or close this, this service with the leaders coming forward. And the leaders will be here to pray for anybody who, who needs a, anything. Whatever you want to pray for, we will pray for that. Um, if you even just need a refreshing, you need to see that fire sparked again. If you need to see passion in your life again, please come and agree with somebody else and pray over that. For those who do not need prayer, what we're going to do is we're going to stand. I'm going to have Jay play Amazing Grace. And just sing passionately from your heart to the Lord. Um, dedicate it to the Lord. You know, you don't always have to have people up here who are skilled in worshiping 
to lead you to do something like that. You can close your eyes, and you even if you did not know the words, you can point your thoughts and your emotions to God right now and give worship to God. So I would just ask anyone who needs prayer to come, anyone else, we're going to close passionately singing to the Lord. He lives in you. He really does. He lives in us. That's what he said. And he says that we need to remember who we are. And the church will be the church. We will move forward as a mighty moving force. If there is anyone here today who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, today would be a great day to know him, to come to know him. All of us in here that are born again have some time or another, some place or another, knelt down and asked the Lord to forgive us and come into our lives. I tell you what, the Bible says that all heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. We will not make fun of you. We will rejoice with you in all of heaven. We will celebrate a new life. The home group leaders, please come forward. If you have a need, prayer requests, you can come to one of the home group leaders and they'll be in agreement with you. Remember who you are. Don't take this message, please, and just file it somewhere under a good message file or a bad message file, whichever you choose. Think about it. Look it up. Find out what the Lord says about us. I just gave us a few. I could have gave you a list from here to the doorway of what he says about us. If you have a need, come.